You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. Uh, read a nice little verse there. Thank you, Aubrey, for doing that. I didn't give her a whole lot of notice. I called her this morning. Well, I called, so you know, I'm not calling people's daughters. I called Isaac, and Isaac asked her to study that a little bit. And, um, and, uh, uh, and just asked her to read through it a couple times. But if we had to focus on a couple verses there in that, the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when do we do these things? Hunger, feed, thirsty, drink, stranger, clothe, prison. And the king answered, verse 40, and said to them, Assuredly, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these brethren, you did it to me. And in that, in John 13, 34, this new commandment, a new commandment I give unto thee, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. I love one another, just like I loved you, love one another. It's a commandment. Um, I know we've been working on the foundation. We're continually, I mean, I guess anytime we're preaching the word here, we're building on the foundations. We have the option, we have optional materials, gold, silver, precious stones, all tried by fire, made better with fire, pressure and fire, Builds the believer. All made better by fire. Okay, But he also gives us the option of wood, hay, and stubble. All of it's going to be tested by fire in the end. It's going to be burned. Wood, hay, and stubble obviously going to be burned up and, and destroyed. And only what's going to last is the gold, silver, precious stones. And we need to identify which building materials we're to be building with. We don't want to be building with the wood, hay, and stubble because it's worthless. And it doesn't bind well with the gold, silver, and precious stones. Many of us have lives with a little bit of gold and a whole lot of wood, hay, and stubble. And many of us have lives that have a lot of gold, silver, precious stones, but still has some stubble or some dirt in it, and that causes a binding problem. It causes an issue there in developing on the foundation. Jed reminded us what the foundation was, Christ and the Word of God. We use the Word of God that reveals to us who Christ is and His Holy Spirit working through the Word, working through Christ, Christ and the work He did on the cross. We build on that, and we develop on that. And, and so we struggle a lot of times as believers. We read God's Word. I mean, if I just go and pick a random psalm and read that psalm and say, well, how's that develop me as a believer or anyone else? You know, it sounds like it's applying to David or applying to this guy who's particularly sinful or these people that are being pursued by an oppressor or something. And the reality is, it all applies to us, but we've got to have it all in there for the application to be complete. We've got to continue using that and building, and eventually our building blocks get more goldish and less dirtish as we go along, as we develop in our faith. In this mission trip, this last one we went on, uh, I'll, I'll get a video together and, uh, and, uh, and maybe next week or two and, and give uh, Ray a chance to speak too. Make sure you talk to Ray about it. You know, he'll have a different perspective than I had. He did a different work than I had. We traveled together, but we did two different things essentially. He's, when you bring Ray on the mission trip, that's like the circus coming to town. They're like, I got to talk to that guy. We're driving by a bus full of people, and children are like, I mean, they're waving at Ray. They can't take their eyes off him. Old people, you know, not a lot of beard. They don't have a lot of facial hair there. They got that Indian blood's really strong there, you know, American Indian type. Mayan Indian kind of blood is very strong. They don't have a lot of facial hair. And then they see Ray walk by. They're like, Papa Noel? They do. A lot of people asking, you know, is that Santa Claus or whatever? 
And so, um, and so we, we, we told some little kids they better be good, you know, or they wouldn't get nothing this year or whatever. Just try to keep them on their toes, you know, keep them humble, whatever. But, uh, you know, Ray definitely has a different view there, and, and he's very loved, and the people loved us so well. And it just reminds me of the different spiritual gifts within the body of Christ, how we're all one body of Christ, doesn't matter um, uh, melanin level in your skin. It's the body of Christ, those that accept Christ and know and seek to follow him with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. They're going to relate as a family when we get together, and their love is just unbelievable. And it's the building of the church everywhere, the edification of the church everywhere. So we, we focus a lot of times, this is all Jed's fault, what I'm fixing to tell you, but we focus so many times on that Matthew 28. Go make disciples of all nations. We really focus on that part. Make disciples. Hacer discipulos. We focus on the hacer discipulos, make disciples all the time. But the last part there, it says, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. This new commandment I give you, Jed, love one another. Love like I love, again, love one another. What does it mean to love one another? You don't, it's not the, the, uh, the, the making disciples part is all things that I commanded you. Not just get saved, tell others the gospel, um, have good Bible classes, go to Sunday school, make other people come to church. That's part of it. But if I read what it said right there in Matthew 25, it said, Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom. I was hungry, you gave me food, feed the, feed the hungry. I was thirsty, you gave me drink, give a drink to the thirsty. I was a stranger, you took me in, which is exactly what happened there. They don't know us from Adam. A lot of the people that we met, they, t they take you in immediately. They treat you as family. They sit you at their table. They feed you first. They bring you the very best. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. All this is part of the Great Commission. Not just the part of making disciples, but it's the whole working of all that Jesus did. All the blessings, all the blessings to the poor, to the humble, to the lost, to the sick, to the dying, to the women, to the children, to the imprisoned. It's the, the care of the body. All of that is the part that we teach. We have to teach that because... It's not natural for us. If you don't believe it, particularly in America, we're very closed off, and I was talking to Ray about it, and he was talking about being on jobs. Well, like when I was in the Marine Corps back in the day, if a black guy showed up, all the other brothers, they called them the brothers, they would, all the other brothers would get him immediately and take him into their fold, and they'd go eat with them or, or whatever they did. And then if a, a guy from, uh, from the, uh, the Polynesian varieties, and it didn't matter if they were from, the Philippines or Guam or Samoa or, or Hawaii, if they came from that Polynesian culture, he, they were literally a guy that would been in 15, 20 years would treat him like a son, take him into his home and, and sit him down at his table and he could eat with them every night until he made a group of friends. They would take him in and develop him and care for him because he was one of them. But, and that's what me and Ray were talking about. But white people are particularly bad about just leaving a guy out to dry, man. Uh, the hazing was really bad on, on new guys that came there and um, on white guys. The black guys take care of the black guys. The brown people take care of the brown people. Asian people take care of the Asian people. The Indian people take And then the white guy, you were just left out to, you know, it's kind of the American way. We're very impersonal. We're very personal with our family. And we're all this. Uh, I told you this before, but Barack Obama and George W. Bush were like seventh cousins. Trust me, if you're in the United States of America, you're related. 
I mean, they call it a melting pot for a reason. Because if you've been here more than one generation, you're related about everyone else. You might be a little further down the road cousin-wise. And of course, we're all related through Noah's Ark and back through Adam. We're related. But we don't treat each other that way. Especially white people in particular in the U.S. are particularly bad about um, not... Uh, I mean, we care for our families, but even them, as they get more distant, grandparents and so on, cousins, stuff, I, I've seen that. They're just not that caring of one another, right? Uh, even though they may live in the same town, they still get a lot of distance. I don't know why that is. It's a, it's a shame. So part of this teaching them all things that I commanded is learning to care for one another. I want us to go, we're going to just focus on this third John. So 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation, right there at the end of the book. It's, we're going to read the whole book, man. It's a long one. We're going to read the whole one this morning. It's uh, 14 verses. I think we can swing it. Now, whether you can check it off the front of your Bible that you read that book this year. If you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you'll be able to check off Job pretty quickly. Uh, we've got a couple more weeks in Job. We've read the whole thing. Um, and I pray that you're reading through the Bible um, this year and are reading whole books together. But we're going to read this whole book of 3rd John and it's going to be part of this, all that I have commanded you. John didn't just make these things up. He walked with Christ for that period of three years, and it became who he was. It changed who he was. The natural man is not a hospitable man, but the man of God is a man of hospitality, woman of God, man of God. Let's read the whole book, and we'll go back and take it apart a little bit. We there? Third John? Where are you at, Charlie? You there? Third John? Okay. Charlie's there. You ought to be there. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who, does not, who, who, he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself, and we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I did not wish to write to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly that we may speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. All that I have commanded you, you are to do. The, in this... In this book right here, we pretty much saw our entire trip, this little trip that we were on. We just gone from Sunday till last night. Yesterday was a long day. We left at 2.30 in the morning to go get Joel and, and his family to the airport. And then our flight was at 9, so we set the airport for quite a few hours in the morning. And then we got home about 9 last, 8.30, 9 o'clock last night. And then, but in that, um, you know, so there, there is some energy expended in going but in that, what we really saw was the care of the people that exemplified this word for word almost, especially those first eight verses. Um, 
We had people serve us in such abundance with such humility, just begging to do more for us. If you've gone on these trips, if you've ever been on a trip with me, I don't care where you go. We've been to Africa or, or Peru, some of y'all, and Guatemala, some of y'all, some of you Mexico, wherever you've been. And uh, it's so different than what we see in the States. When we have missionaries come in the States, we say, well, you know, can some stay at your house? Can some, well, no, you know, I don't really feel comfortable people staying in my house, whatever. Can we put them in a motel and put them in an apartment? Can we put them somewhere? Can we put them at the church? Can we put them here and there? These people are like, come stay in my house. Come eat my food. You're going to eat what they're going to eat. I mean, you're not going to be eating, you know, you know, top of the, you know, top of the pile or anything. You're going to eat what you're going to have. Chicken, beans, rice, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Boiled, most likely. It's what you're going to have. But they're going to share of what they have. They have humility. They have humble means. And they're going to share what they have. You can sleep in their house. You can sleep on their floor. You can sleep on their couch. You can sleep like they sleep. And they're going to take care of it. They're going to drive you around. This one man, he took off for the week. They're making, I figured it out. Their average was $10 a week was what they were making. And if you were like a skilled worker, it was about $30. I'm sorry, $30 a day. $10 a day. $30 a day if you're a skilled worker. And this guy's a little welder. Um, uh, and all he made was doors and window frames, pretty much. And, uh, and I mean, this guy took off a week of work. So he lost $30 a day. So he took that much food out of his family's mouth. Wouldn't take any money from us. He went and got a car. He drove us all around, anywhere we wanted to go. And he tried to take us to the very best place. Oh, this is Shayla Pond. It's this place that just makes bread, pond, bread. And, uh, you know, oh, you got to go there. That's the best bread in Guatemala. You know, everywhere we go, you know, we got the best coffee in the world. You know, it doesn't matter if you're in Mexico or whatever. That's always the best coffee in the world. It's all about the same, people, let me tell you. So uh, the breads, it's all about the same. Flour, whatever, it's, it's bread. But anyway, we had the best bread, best bread in the world there. He takes us to the best bread in the world, takes us to his mother's house, and his mother prepares this huge meal, chicken, rice, beans, all boiled. And, uh, <laughs> but it was like, they're always like, oh, muy rico. Oh, mess. It wasn't that a great meal. That was the best. Now we're going to go do it again. You know, we ate five times a day because everywhere you go, they just stop what they're doing and they bring you to the table and you sit together. Acts chapter 2. Breaking bread from house to house. I'd weigh 400 pounds if I was a missionary. I mean, I, mean, I could get there real easy because <laughs> it's just all you do. Oh, come. And we're drinking coffee six times a day. Coffeecito, mommy, go get us some more coffee. You know, and they bring another pot of coffee, and then you go to the next place. Can you get some coffee? Bring some coffee. Bring some coffee. Bring some coffee. And it's and um, it's about being with the brethren and and just loving one another. And they speak in scriptures. They just speak in scriptures to one another in the church and to you. Well, what about this verse? What about that verse? We saw people in terrible suffering. And, and in that, they're speaking to us in scriptures. Oh, the suffering's been so good. I've gotten so close to the Lord in this suffering. I'm like, man. You know, Jess Wells on death's door, you know. Oh, man, this suffering. Man, this brought me so close to the Lord. It's just been great. And um, anyway, so when I meet those people, I don't know them. I don't know them. They don't know me. But they treat me as a brother instantly. They bring me in their home. They feed me. They care for me. Any need I have. You want some water? You need some toilet paper, which is kind of golden there. Do you need a bathroom? Do you need to travel in our car? Do I need to take you somewhere? What would make your trip better? Let me get you to meet these other people so you can encourage them. That's the other thing. They take you house to house so you can speak words of Scripture to other people that are hurting and sick and lonely and whatever. And these poorest of the poor, as you know, any of you that's traveled, you know, they immediately go buy a bottle of soda or go make some whatever. And then you just to share with you out of their poverty 
they share with you, and it's, it's so good. This was it, 3 John 1. And this second verse, 3 John, number 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Three things going on there. First, in number one, to my beloved Gaius, to my beloved Jed, to my beloved Zach, to my beloved Isaac, Charles, Charlie, whoever. He calls him beloved because he knows that this man cares for his heart. And if I can show you something today, this is what I want to show you, is the care for the other believer. I pray three things, that you may prosper in all things. I pray, Jed, Zach, any of you here, attach your name right there, that you may prosper in all things. I don't, I don't pray that you become a millionaire. I pray that the things that your hands touch, that you do well in those things. Number two, I pray that you be in health. I don't pray that you live forever. I pray that you be in health day by day. And number three, I pray that your soul prosper as well. What does it mean? The heart of John towards Gaius and his example of care for himself. So John loves Gaius because Gaius loves him. And his example, he loves that Gaius is this just excellent example to others. And in that, I pray that your ministry expand and that these things, these humble things of the world don't take you down so that your soul may prosper, that your ministry may go forth. John wants the very best. Think about that. Think about how you think. I'm not, I'm not dogging you. Just in your own spirit, you can answer this question to yourself. You know. You know what you are. We all know what we are. But in your own spirit, do you think this way? John wants the very best for another person. John could be on the Isle of Patmos. He could be under persecution. He could be on the run. But in that, in thinking about that, He's thinking about this other man in another place that's caring for other people. And he's like, man, I hope that guy has abundant money, abundant health, and that his soul is prospering. He, it says in the next verse, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that's in you just as you walk on the truth. When other people come, they're like, man, you can't outgive Gaius. Man, that guy's a giver. He's a lover. He's a caretaker. He's a good man. So the point of the verse is this overwhelming, the whole of the whole little book there is this overwhelming excitement that John has for the success of his brother in Christ. And if you don't believe that it's completely unnatural, it is. It's not what the world does. It's every man for himself. It's, they used to say, root hog or die. It's like, it's, it's me. I got to make my dollar. Well, if I take off for this guy, then I'm out a week's work. I mean, I can make two, three grand this week doing whatever I'm doing. And if I got to stop and help these jokers, I mean, they're here, but they're going to go, you know, I mean, they're going to be here a day or two, whatever. If i got to stop my income, that, you know, it's about me and mine. Instead, this guy's like, this Pedro guy, he stops everything for a week. He actually left us with a car and took a bus four hours back because his son had some problem and needed to go to the hospital. So he rides a bus four hours back, then gets back up at like two or three in the morning and rides the bus back so that he can drive us around the next day. That's a special heart right there. That's a spiritual gift. I mean, so one of the spiritual gifts is serving, but he wasn't the only one. It wasn't like he was the only guy. And what John's saying here is, lowly brother, I want you to prosper in everything that your hand touches because it'll take a burden off of your life. If you do better financially, 
not better as in, like I said, not better to the point that the materialism takes you down, takes your eyes off the, off the Father, but better enough financially that it's no weight on you the struggle of the daily trying to get enough food or have enough place to stay or have enough for your children or buy enough clothes that you're not cold or hot or whatever, you know. If I, I just pray that you prosper. I pray that you prosper in such a way that the, the burdens of the struggle of living won't affect your view of God. The second one is his health. I pray that you be in health. And again, this is an interesting thing, as you know. You want someone to get close to God, put them in physical suffering. It's, you know, when we're healthy, we forget all about God. But the reason he wants this, I just want this not to be a burden on your life. As you get age on you or you get a, 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 a tragic health problem like our friend Bob there, where he's just constantly, it's just on his mind, the weight of the pain, needing to go see a doctor, needing a doctor visit, having, to, again, the currency to go um, have these things accomplished or whatever. It just removes a burden I want peace to be on your life. You don't have this financial burden. You don't have too many irons in the fire where you're just always trying to, to, trying to keep everything going. Yeah, you're making lots of money, but the financial burden of too much finances can be as bad as the financial burden of too little. Don't have too much going on. Just the right amount, like the three bears. One right in the middle there, just right. And I want you to have health. I don't want you to have health that's so great that you forget the Lord who gives you the health. I just want you to have reasonable health where it's not a burden to you. And the last question is why? So that your soul will prosper. The trials of those struggles of material and physical needs, um, spiritual, hunger, thirst, housing, travel, um, dealing with your family, dealing with your health. I don't want those to, to hang over you, drawing this spiritual energy off of you that keeps you from being able to maintain your focus on the one who saved you the one who loves you, the one who works through you. I heard a great testimony this morning. A little girl that's visiting us this morning said that, you know, sinful things in the past, you know, you think that God doesn't have enough power in one drop of Jesus' blood to save you from all those things and to maintain you in the faith from that day forward? Sure he does. Don't let the things of the past hinder you, those emotional, spiritual, mental regrets. We've got regrets. Everybody does. If you don't, you should. If you don't, you don't recognize what you really are. But don't let them things hinder you. I pray that you have spiritual health, physical health, ability to go forward and do the work of the, of the, the, of the ministry of the gospel. Abundance of material wealth, like I said, could be a challenge that draws you away. I pray you got enough. I pray that you got enough in the, in the mental, in the spiritual, and in the health so that your soul can prosper. I was just praying, um, you know, you're with... Joel and Roxana, who a lot of you guys know, I mean, if you've traveled to Peru or, and we've used them as interpreters in other places too, but, and Elias, you know, I mean, they barely, they just barely get by. We support them as a church here, you know, which is good. It's helped them. Um, and I watched, uh, watched both of them. They've grown so much spiritually. This one lady was talking about some health problems she had and we were about to leave. It was late and we didn't want to go over there because it was already late and we knew we had to get up early, but we go because the guy asked us to go. I mean, can you please come to my house and pray for my wife? She's sick. What are you going to say? No, man, we're tired. You go. So we go. And um, she starts talking about having asthma and, and then all these other problems she had. She swore it wasn't COVID. She was a pretty sick little lady. So, um, um, so she gets done, and we pray for her. The men pray for her. 
and we're about to leave, and Roxy goes, well, can I, can I say something? And um, she just says, you know, I've had asthma since I was a kid, and she kind of goes through that. She gave an absolutely fantastic word of encouragement to this lady about maintaining the faith despite the struggle and just keeping going forward. And, that, I mean, I mean, if you knew Roxanna five years ago, her and her husband, or maybe more, they were at such odds with each other, they nearly got divorced. Uh, this little power struggle within the family and things, and, and in, they've grown so far spiritually, and they're, you know, handling that church well at Sarah Sewell, and she's just learned how to counsel people. How'd she learn to counsel people? By doing it. By doing it. How'd she learn to deal with marital problems? By going through it and talking to other people about theirs and realizing yours are no different than what anybody else has. It's just selfishness on your part is the problem, and you get that in check, and everything's going to be cool. And she did such a great job there of just serving and everything. But anyway, to move on, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So as he hears the word of this man in the ministry that he's doing, he's so encouraged. And he says, Beloved, this was this one guy. You do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. So a bunch of, well, the two of us and the three of them, so five people is a heavy burden on a home. Uh, I mean, even here, five people show up, five adults showed up to your house and like needed care for the next three or four days. You know, they're going to eat three times a day. They're going to sleep in your beds. They're going to use laundry. They're going to use soap. They're going to use water. They're going to use electricity. They're a burden. And you've got to get them around somehow. And those people completely put the brakes on their life in order to do those things for us and would accept no recompense for it. And so in looking at that, it's like it's one thing to do it for your brethren, but sometimes we don't even do that well. Well, yeah, well, maybe I'll get to it tomorrow, next day, you know, whatever. But, uh, but for strangers, even more. And I thought, I thought, well, maybe it's just because we're missionaries from another country and then they, you know, putting on a good show. But I really saw them serve one another. Roxanna, I mean, we were at the seminary, and, uh, of course, they're cooking for a lot of people at this one seminary. There was probably 20 people there total, or 15 or 18 people probably. So there's a lot of dishes, a lot of stuff. She's in there cooking. She's not out goofing around, visiting other She's in there cooking. As soon as the cooking's done, she sits down and eats. She waves the flies off the whole time. As soon as they're done, she, she collects all the dishes herself. And goes in and begins to wash dishes. She didn't have to do that. She's one of the missionaries. She, she said, oh, it's been such a great vacation for me and Joel. I'm like, man, she worked like a dog. <laughs> she washed more dishes than she washes at home. And, and uh, she just did what she had to do. I mean, her, those people serving one another, do we do that with one another? Are we caring for one another in that way? Seven times in here, and this, it's no surprise, the word truth, truthfully, the truth, or true, is mentioned the perfect number, of course, truth. To my beloved Gaius, whom I, lo Gaius, whom I love in truth, um, testify to the truth that's in you just as you walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Uh, verse 8, we ought to receive such that we can become fellow workers of the truth. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. Bear witness that our testimony is true. True truth and truth. Seven times. Such an important part of the life of the believer, the life of care of one another, speaking the word to one another. In our meals, we would sit at the table, and after, you know, they're pretty silent when they eat. You know, it's about eating. If they said if you talk, you can't get as much food down the hole because they fill up with air. So you just want to pound it down as much as you can. And uh, so it's completely silent during the table, which we don't usually do that. But then afterwards, you're going to sit there for a while. And it's just like, it's like some kind of Bible drill, man. Who knows the most scriptures? And then he preaches that one. And this guy's like, oh, yeah, well, that reminds me of this. And then they start talking about scripture. And they're talking about scripture. And they're talking about scripture. 
And so how much better developed is the family table if that's the conversation? It wasn't just the mom and the dad. It's the whole family. It's the other people and the people coming in. And, and in, their, in the stories that they're telling is about the ministry that they're doing and the part that they're a part of and the concerns of those. And then we stopped multiple times during times and prayed for one person or one ministry or another or the travel or whatever. What a different view of God's people than we tend to live in. Like I said, the point of this is how excited John is about seeing somebody live out the Great Commission. Not just the making disciples part, but demonstrating to the disciples how then shall we live. How should we live? We should live like this, who have borne witness of your love before the church. And then when they get ready to go, they start pouring the, the blessings out on you. Well, you should take this one kind of plant because you can, we can't take it back because you can't fly with it, but they make this one drink out of. You should take this bread. You should take this. You should take that. They want to bless you with something for your travel on the road. We saw these, this one little, at the seminary, this one husband and wife team. They don't have anything. They're from Mexico. They're in, we're, in the, we're in a seminary. There was Mexicans, Guatemalans, Peruvians, dude, two people from Haiti, just well from Brazil, and then the gringos. There were six different nations represented in this one little spot in the middle of nowhere. It was, it was wild. Everyone with the same viewpoint reached the world for, for Christ. So Mexican couple were walking and taking a bus into Mexico from Guatemala over the weekend to go preach at like three churches. That's, that's doing it right there. And then everybody, a lot of the people there, they gave them a couple little, their money doesn't go very far, but it, and it's not worth anything. They gave them a little money here and there. We gave them some money to be able to continue the trip. Oh, your generosity is too great. I'm like, man, you've done everything for us. I can give you 50 bucks, you know? You've done everything for us. Keeps going. They went forth, taking nothing from the Gentiles. They're not going to take anything from the pagans. They're not going to go look at the world for their support. They're going to look to the body of Christ for their care. You see that? Because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. That's what it means, the pagans. Those that don't know Christ. The body of Christ should take care of the body of Christ. We don't look to the world to do fundraisers to support the work of the gospel. We look to the body of Christ to put something in the silo for the time when we need to be generous with someone else. It's already there on the first day of the week. Bring something to the storehouse. Bring it to the storehouse. You put it in the storehouse beforehand, and when you, somebody needs help, then we can provide the help. And look at this guy, Diotrephes. He loves to have the preeminence among them and does not receive them. He's not content with just not receiving people. But he himself does not receive the brethren, and he forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. He has this negative view of people who he sees as serving too much. He won't allow other believers into his home. He won't allow those of poor means to come and be cared for, because it, it brings down the image of the fellowship. You can't, I mean, the problem with dealing with sinners is sometimes you're going to get it on you. If you go to the rescue mission, some of those people smell kind of funny. If you deal with homeless people, they smell funny. They're dirty. But they need love just like you need love. And they want to be hugged just like you need to be hugged. They want to be cared for. And so if you hug them, guess what? You get their smell on you. And you get back in the car and you smell funny. 
but then you go back home and you wash it off. It's okay. Don't reject the care of the poor and the pitiful because they smell bad or you don't agree with, with their way of thinking or they have mental problems. You can't reject them. The body of Christ does not reject those. They care for those. And in verse 11, don't imitate what is evil, but what is good. Don't live like Diotrephes. Live like this other guy, Demetrius. He's got a good testimony. He gets his testimony from where? From the truth itself. Verse 12. We bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. You've seen us do the same thing. So we know the way to walk, but it kind of interferes in our life. We need to be careful with that. We've got to be like Demetrius. We've got to be like Gaius. We've got to be like um, Lydia. She receives Christ, immediately invites him to her home so that the other people in the house can receive the gospel as well in the book of Acts. And then she cares for them and puts these total strangers, all they did was bring the gospel to them, she puts them in their home and she feeds them and then she sends them away with a gift. And then we find out later that she's caring for the body of the church. She's a wealthy woman, somewhat wealthy woman, has her own business, so on. And she's caring for the, the body of Christ. Are we doing that? I pray this morning, uh, well, and then that last part, 13, 14, is just, he's got a lot more stuff he would love to say to Gaius. Oh, that I could be there in person. I got to tell you about two things that happened. And you can believe it or not, whatever. So about um, six months ago, I was praying. And the next day, Elias, Elias calls me. And he goes, uh, Pastor Elias from Peru. And he said, Dale, last night I had this, or yesterday, I was in prayer. I was just sitting in the house, and, and I just started crying. I was like, Lord, I just miss being with Pastor Dale and just enjoying time with him and, you know, doing missions and stuff together. And he goes, he said, it was like a vision. All of a sudden, I could see you sitting there with your book open, and it was like you were right there. And he said, um, he said, he said, I had my eyes closed. I was praying. He said, I'm, I'm like, Am I seeing this? Is this really happening? Am I seeing it? was like a vision, so to speak. And he said, I opened my eyes, and you weren't there. So I closed my eyes real quick, and you're already gone. But anyway, he was in prayer, and the Lord just gave him a glimpse of like, that guy, that guy loves you too. He misses you too, you know? And you say, well, that's kind of an odd, an odd thing, you know? I mean, so last night, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to give you this idea that I put that I get my doctrine or my thinking from dreams and visions. But last night I had a dream on the, this morning coming in, or last night, about, maybe about four in the morning, that Tony, uh, Dan Helka, one of our pastors that's moved back up to Chicago, one of our friends now, and I just sent him a little message. Hey, Tony, I had a dream about you last night, man. And in the dream, he was just like encouraging me, you know, go forth, you know, keep going, man, you're doing great, whatever. He goes, you know what, this morning at 4.30 in the morning, that's about the time this was, he goes, I was up and I was praying for you and for your church. Do what you want with that. But I'm telling you, the Lord is working through his people, and we do want to, I'd love to see Tony face to face. Without the pressures of him caring for his wife who's deathly ill, without the pressures of having to work, and having to, we could just be together, and we could just go dink around, whatever, fish, or, or whatever. I'd love to do that. I'd love to be able to spend more time with Elias without the, you know, you go on those mission trips and you're just running. He's doing his thing, you're doing your thing, you're preaching, he's preaching, you're talking, whatever. And it's fun to just 
be at rest with them. And that's what John wants here. He just wants to be at rest with them, with God's people, and just be at rest together with them. So, Romans 12.10, our, our last verse. Romans 12.10. So if I can encourage you in two things. Number one, for you with families, and I'm, my wife and I have been trying to do this, and I don't know how it gets missed. It's the American way of busyness and a lot of stuff going on and a lot of sports going on and a lot of Internet going on and all these things. And we're missing something really, really, really good. Like this one house, the mother, which I've talked to you about her before, um, Maria and her family. So she's got nine, eight or nine kids. They adopted enough to make 13 by the time it was all she wrote. And uh, eight or nine natural kids and a total of 13. But every Tuesday and then on Sundays, the entire family gets together. A little house is... Like if you cut this off right about here is what the whole house is. And it's just a bathroom, a bedroom, and then a long kind of open area and then a kitchen. And it might be a little bit wider. Maybe like where that front row is. Maybe double this and then cut in half. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's about this, this size right here. Not real big. And um, so listen to this. So just like in Peru, they said you cannot get together. Not in the churches and not with family. And he said, but we had to be with our mother. This lady, I mean, she only speaks scriptures. Well, like Psalm 23 says, like Psalm 108 says, like Jeremiah 33.3 says, like, I mean, just one after another. Her whole conversation is just scripture tied together. Heart is beautiful, little, little old lady, and uh, sweet as pie. Her family really regards her. Nine of her nine natural, eight or nine natural kids are all doing the ministry of the gospel in some way. They all work full-time jobs, and on the side, they're pastors and music leaders and and like Pedro, just driving around the people, and um, we led a lady to Christ, and then Elias, you know, I was talking to her, then Elias takes over, and then Pedro takes over. And he's like, well, Mommy, we have this going on, and we have this thing coming to town, you could come to this town, I know a man here, starts making connections for this lady, leads her on into the next point, starts making her a disciple right then. I mean, but here's how it works. He said during the pandemic, uh, that the police were really hammering people about meeting together. He said, so we'd wait till it got dark, and then we'd sneak over here, and we'd just we'd sneak in one at a time, and then open the gate, sneak another one, until the whole family was together. And they'd pray, read the Bible, and eat together. Yeah. Are we willing to do that? I mean, my wife and I have really tried, like, Saturday night. It's been hard this summer because Kristen's at summer camp uh, as a counselor, but to have our family once a week to come eat together. The family is the team. The family is the power that's going to proclaim the gospel, the family is going to need to be strong in times of persecution. We just haven't seen that kind of hammer yet, but I'm telling you, trust me, it's coming. Put some of this other material, time-wasting stuff aside and make time to preach the word to your family and to speak the truth to one another. So during the meal, we're, praying, we're, we're talking with each other, and then this person give a word, that person give a word, and they're like, oh, my daughter's a real good singer. I was like, well, sing a song. They get stand up, these two, two, three little girls, and they start singing like birds. Just sang like birds. Just did a wonderful job. Sang a couple songs. And they all just sit there. I mean, it's just a part, it's just an expectation of what you do. When you come together with our family, we share everything that we are in our spiritual nature. All we have physically, material, we share it with one another. 
And we're really bad not to do that. We let, we let, we bring the cell phones to the table. Put your cell phones in another room. My kids get mad at me for that. Put them somewhere else and be there with one another. Dad, put your phone away and be there with your family. Be there in person and in spirit. Mom, quit fooling around the kitchen, trying to clean everything else. Sit down and be there. Children, put your phone, those phones are worthless and they're idols. Put them away and be there in person and in spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you to one another and be encouraged in one another. And we can have a body like this body is talking about, like this Gaius, like John's talking about, like we saw there in that example. And you've seen it. You guys that have traveled with it, you've seen the same thing. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. This is what we do. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be as the same mind towards one another. <coughs> do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. <coughs> Excuse me. Repay no one evil for evil. Verse 18, as much as is possible, if it's a possible at all, as much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Start with your family and then with the brotherhood and do these things. I left you a list. I hope you take it home and put it on your fridge. There, a verse is just about outdoing one another and doing good works serving one another above all else, caring for the body of Christ as you care for your family. And, um, and I pray that you'll, you'll see that as important. In, uh, in observing and, and being obedient to the Great Commission, I pray that you see that what it says is teaching them to observe, to obey all things that I commanded. This new commandment I give unto you, love one another. Make sure you're being obedient to that. Father, this morning, Lord, we are so grateful for this opportunity that we had to come hear your word. I pray that the word that was spoken was the word that you had for us. I pray that it pricks the heart, Lord, it convicts the spirit. I pray for our body of believers here, Lord, the fellowship that's here, those that have come, those that heard the word, and I pray that they go away glad. I pray that it's applied to their lives, Lord. They didn't just hear it, and it's just some guy's opinion about what your word says, but they go back and they read the word for themselves, studying to show themselves approved unto God, a worker that needeth not be ashamed, correctly understanding the word of truth, rightly dividing the word of truth, Lord. I pray that they would go and read the Bible, that they would have the Bible at the table. They would read the Bible, that the fathers would lead their families well in this and care for their families in this, Lord, and pray for their families. Lord, I pray for the children here today that they would humble themselves before their parents and see that their parents have already been down that road and that they would hear them and they would desire to be with them, that they would desire to hear their father speak the word, that they would see the love of their mother for them and they would honor their mother, rising up and calling her blessed. And she would be blessed because she knows your word and she's caring for her kids, not just with material things or taking them to fun things to do, but she cares for them because she cares for their spirit, Lord. And they see that in her. Father, I pray for our fellowship as well as I, we're going to have these visitors here in, in, um, in July, Lord, that we would care for them as we've seen them care for us. When we go there, they, they go out of their way to abundantly care for us. Lord, I pray that when they come here, they'll see the same from us. 
as we'll work alongside them, we'll love them as they'll love us, that we'll cry tears when they leave because we love them so much. And we know to be separated from them, it could be for now or it could be until, until you return or it could be in death. Lord, give us that love for one another. Build that in us. Build our spirits. Develop us in that way, Lord. I thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for these that have come. I pray that they be encouraged this morning to go and be obedient to you and do your will. And I pray now as we fellowship together, Lord, that we would talk about things that are important things, things that are spiritual things, things that are eternal things. The only thing that matters is the development of the soul because it is eternal and it lives forever, Lord. May we be quick to speak words of encouragement that are eternal to one another. Thank you, Lord, for these that are here, Lord. Bless them as they go about their week. I pray that the word that you spoke goes out of them, pours back out of them onto someone else this week. And we just bless them now, Lord. I pray that they be renewed in material things, physical things, in health, and in their spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.